Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Ziad Huag. He is an operational executive and entrepreneur in the medical device industry, advising leading incubators and startups with over 20 years of experience. Prior to joining Biomotics as president and CEO, Ziad served as the head of toxicology, pharmacokinetics, regulatory clinical data management, and statistics at JUUL Labs, a venture-funded startup that developed a breakthrough nicotine delivery system. Altria actually acquired them. Previously, Ziad served as the Vice President Preclinical Regulatory and Clinical Affairs for PQ Bypass, Fogarty Institute for Innovation of Incubation, a venture-funded startup that developed a breakthrough endovascular arterial venous bypass system, really just spearheading a highly successful clinical trial and EU launch, and setting the ground for a U.S. IDE. Ziad further served as the Vice President Preclinical Regulatory Quality and Clinical Affairs for Altura Medical, Lombard Medical Acquisition, a venture-funded startup that developed a modular endograft for treating complex abdominal aortic aneurysms. He is an extraordinary innovator and just a thought leader in, in the life sciences industry, but healthcare overall. And so today we're going to be diving into his work at Biomedics, where, where he is the president and CEO, to talk about the solutions that they're providing to our industry in this time of drastic need. So Ziad, such a pleasure to have you here on the podcast today. Great. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, likewise. And so before we dive into biomotics and the fascinating work you guys are up to there, I would love to really understand more about your inspiration for your work in healthcare. Yeah. So I think it goes back to, uh, to childhood. Really. I remember specifically when I decided to work in, in healthcare. So the, you have to go back a few decades. We're talking early 80s, uh, and as you recall, that's when the AIDS epidemic hit, and nobody in 81, 82 had any real idea what was this thing, what was this virus. It was a very, very complicated period. People were very afraid. So I was, what, coming into my early teens, I think I was 11 or 12 in those days. But, you know, I'm a bit of a science geek and ended up uh, reading on uh, the isolation of the virus and by the Pasteur Institute in France, which was one of the early centers to actually identify the virus and then eventually sequencing the virus. And I thought that was so amazing because the world was in such crisis and that lab and a few others in the U.S. did a tremendous job. So, you know, I'm 11 or 12 years old and at school um, we were asked to write uh, an essay, what we wanted to do as we grew up, you know, what would be our ideal job. And for me, it was very simple, is to work and lead teams um, developing novel technologies and uh, medical solutions working for the Pasteur Institute. So I've never worked for the Pasteur Institute, 
But that was uh, effectively <laughs> the key motivating factor in my personal life to say, okay, I really want to work in healthcare and find solutions to a real human problem. And that's kind of what drove it. So my entire education, um, and then beyond that, my career has been moving in that particular direction, looking at novel technologies, chasing novel technologies, trying to find solutions to very complex healthcare problems, primarily in the medical device industry, but not always. So that's kind of the, how I got into, or at least how I got to where I am today. I think that's so interesting. And obviously your, your track record shows that you know, you're, you're certainly not looking for, for anything easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you know, it's interesting because really people ask me, why did you go work on this company or that company? And um, they're very different technologies. And my answer is always, yes, but there's a common denominator. It's the novelty, the complexity of the problem and the novelty of the technology. And mm -hmm. so I spent my career looking specifically for novel technology that can address complex problems because that's what basically, you know, motivates me, stimulates me. Not always very easy, not always a success. You know, you're always taking risks with novel technology, but uh, always exhilarating and definitely never boring. And, and you know, I've never looked back. That's great. Maybe maybe sideways a couple of times, right? But not back. Yes, <laughs> sideways <laughs> and, and a couple of step backs occasionally. I love it. No, and, and you know, it's yeah. uh, it's fascinating, right? And you tend to find entrepreneurs like yourself that you know have this track record of success. There's a method to the madness. And so I'm very curious, and, and I'm sure the listeners are too, about biomotics and the work you guys are doing, why you chose to join them, and, and sort of what the plan is there. Cause so, so can you talk to us a little bit about how, how the business is adding value to the healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, so, so biomodics is a fairly unique company. So just to give you a little background, I, I, it was an accidental meeting effectively. I was brought on to consult. So I had met the French team. I was uh, down in San Diego at the TCT and I got this call from these French guys and they're like, hey, we have this technology and we want to talk to you and can you come and consult for us and so on. So I said, okay, I've never heard of you guys. So I went down and I sat down uh, with the two founders actually and looked at the technology. Now I have a pretty strong clinical background and one of the issues I've always dealt with in my career is you know, how do you develop a new technology and how do you get people trained to it so that we avoid the medical errors, particularly early stage, and then, of course, getting the adoptions done. So, you know, we focus so much in our industry, in the medical device industry, on developing the product, but we spend far less time in terms of training or rehearsing and so on. So I've always knew there was a need for some kind of a really nice, nifty, simple solution mm -hmm. that can solve that particular problem. It's just I never came across it. And frankly, we never had too much time in the startups where I worked uh, or any startups in general to go ahead and develop these types of systems. So when I met with these guys, and they were quite humble and they showed me what they had, I was literally, I mean, I was blown away. Mm. And I looked and I said, wow, you guys do this. And, uh, and frankly, they, I don't think they had any sense of, of how ahead of the game they were mm. and within the industry. So I came in initially um, to consult, and then eventually, from a strategic perspective, I was asked to come in and take over the organization. We're at the transition phase, uh, things started taking off. So really complete serendipitous process, but you know, sometimes things just happen and happen naturally and um, things go well. So really to tell you about Biomodex, what are we? Well, first and foremost, we're a digital health company. What we do is offer a practical solution to physicians, primarily surgeons and cardiologists, to actually rehearse their specific cases. And our solution 
involves 3D printing, which is really the fundamental base. But we always say we go way beyond 3D printing because today, if you are a physician, you know, I have kids and, and kids now, you can buy a 3D printer just about anywhere at Walmart and you can do all kinds of things with it. So today, basically, you can print an anatomy, let's say an aneurysm using a variety of 3D printers. But what can you do with it fundamentally, you know, mm-hmm. from a medical perspective? So you can look at it. You can show it to your patient and say, look, this is my aneurysm. This is your aneurysm. Here's what we're going to do the procedure. So you can use it as a teaching tool. But to be able to utilize it to prepare you for the procedure, you need a lot more than 3D printing. And this is where Biomedev comes in. So we're a digital health company and we offer what we call enhanced 3D printing or 5D printing because rather than just do baseline 3D printing, we print in multi-materials. We print the actual anatomy, which anybody can do from a, a digital file, but we have a biomechanical model from an algorithm that gets added on top of that that gives you tissue properties. We also have a technology called Equitech that gives you imaging properties, echogenicity, fluorogenicity, and so on. And the entire system is packaged in a station with fluid and flow dynamics. Hmm. So effectively, what the physician can do is taking this tiny station, order from us the cartridge for his specific patients through a web-based portal. So simple upload of the CT, and we do the rest. We send them the actual cartridge, let's say, of the aneurysm. He pops it in the box. And he actually performs the entire procedure on the system, which is identical to the procedure he will perform on his patient a day or so before the procedure. With, within his cath lab, within all the imaging, with all the tactile feedback that he would get when he's actually using the technology, his main technology on the patient. So we view ourselves more as a simulator, just like in flight simulation, for example, where a pilot sits in a simulator with the crew in the cockpit. They have all kinds of screens, a lot of input. They practice the flight. They can pick the runway. They can pick the weather conditions, the flight path, and so on. And we think fundamentally we can do for the healthcare industry what flight simulation has done for the airline industry, which is a significant reduction in in accidents, near incidents, and so on. And simply a training and rehearsal tool for the pilots uh, and for the, the physicians that are doing complex procedures that are fairly complicated, difficult, and associated with a certain number of medical errors. Well, I think that's great. And so the thought that, that I have here is you're, you're printing this 5D model in a station where you have the imaging properties, a platform that you know, also includes the fluid dynamics and feedback, total simulation. Are you, are you doing this for every unique patient? So is it a form of of precision medicine or is it kind of more general? So we do both. When we first started, we started with, um, you know, the med tech companies and they wanted to use us for their training program. So they're launching a new product, you know, let's say, you know, Vitronic, you know, we Mm -hmm. want to order X numbers of cartridges for these specific anatomies to train our new catheter system, embolic protection device or stent or whatever, right? And so that's how it started. Then we got really developing relationship with them, these companies, the physicians, and then the physicians start coming back and saying, hey, we really, we have these complex cases. This is a complex anatomy. This is very different. You know, if we could rehearse these cases and do the actual case, because there's no difference for us from a technical perspective, whether we do a standard cartridge from a patient that we can print 50 times or do it every time for each individual patient. So we're starting to see the shift. We started with training initially of uh, standardized cartridges from the companies or people ordering these things. And then now we're moving more and more what we call PSR, 
uh, which are, are patient-specific rehearsal cartridges, where the company, the physician, the client in general wants to rehearse a specific patient case. So they will you know, send us the DICOM files, and then we will send them the little cartridge, and they place it in the station. They go and let's say in their cat lab with their team. So imagine a cat lab, typical cat lab. You got fluoro, you may have echo. So you have the echo cardiographer, you have the two physicians at the table. So the entire procedure is literally done in that specific cath lab with all the imaging, the full medical team, and that's how they can actually rehearse a complete procedure. And, and as you know, physicians need haptic feedback. I mean, it's not digital simulation. They have to feel when they're moving around with the product, oh, the catheters. Sure, yeah. And so our entire system is about haptic feedback, biomechanical properties, plus imaging properties. So it's an all-in-one solution, which I think is uh, very unique. There's, I don't believe, and we've looked very hard, anyone that does what we do today in the same fashion. And uh, we make it very easy to purchase, to order. We're all pretty much web-based. So we think we have um, a really nifty solution and practical solution. Physicians don't have time. They want to do this stuff, learn from it, go through their cases. And, and you know, we, we try to uh, accommodate. I love it. It sounds so practical. What would you say, I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, you're, what you do is so different. How has adoption taken? So, so we've been around for a few years. Obviously, the first few years were early phase development. So from an adoption perspective, you know, we tripled our sales number last year. We're going to triple probably again this year. So we focus in multiple franchises. So we have a neurovascular franchise. We have a triple franchise. We have a structural heart franchise, and we're developing multitudes of products systematically for those procedures that are very complex, difficult to do, uh, like mitral valve, TAVIs, and so on. And so we're highly focused. And what's happened is initially we started working with a handful of medical device companies, and then we started working with physicians. Now we are having discussions with imaging companies. So our volumes are increasing. In fact, we, you know, last year we opened the Quincy, Massachusetts office from Paris. Uh, we're adding more machines mm-hmm. and then we're gradually growing. So, so we're pretty happy. You know, we're a controlled company. We want to do things well. We want to collect our data. At the end of the day, it's all about the data and the results and the true impact of technology. So we are growing well. We could grow perhaps faster if we choose a different path. But right now, technology is still in its infancy. We're developing significant new platforms from an R&D perspective, and things are growing very nicely. So we're very happy our, with our interaction, our physicians, with our B2B clients, which are the med techs, the imaging companies, and so on. I think that's awesome. Congratulations on, on the progress thus far. And it, it really sounds like you guys are, are partnering across the aisles with, with the imaging folks, the providers, the, the med device companies and maybe developing that set of data that you'll need to really start making a play with the, with the payers. That, that's correct. I mean, the long-term goal is effectively uh, to make this technology so ubiquitous, so standard, uh, working with the societies, working with the payers, that in order to avoid medical errors, and you probably know this, medical errors are, are, are one of the leading causes of uh, mortality and morbidity mm-hmm. in, in the U.S., is to make this technology as standard as doing a CT or an X-ray or doing a digital simulation. So imagine, let's say 10 years from now, every neurovascular aneurysm, you know, costs will come down and technology will keep getting better and so on and access will increase. But every single aneurysm procedure would be rehearsed by the, by the interventionalist, the neurointerventionalist, right before he can actually go and do the real case. And that can become a standard of care in the industry in conjunction with insurance companies, 
from a liability perspective, from hospital costs and uh, reduction of morbidities and mortalities and so on. So this is where we view our technology becoming. If you remember, you know, CTs, I, I started my career early on and I worked on the early AAA devices. And in those days, we had x-rays. CTs came much later. Today, it's impossible to think of doing a AAA procedure or an endovascular procedure without a CT. Um, right. 15 years ago, it wasn't so common. So there is a natural evolution to the adoption of a technology. And we think this technology can become down the line a standard of care. Wow. That's cool. And that's where the vision comes in, right? I mean, that's, that's the visionary part of this. Yeah, that's correct. And, and for me personally, having been involved in probably two dozen trials, designing, running these complex trials, you know, you make some errors, you learn from your errors, but uh, the learning curve, when you introduce a new technology, every time you introduce a new technology, there's a certain learning curve uh, with physicians. And in those trials, if I had this type of technology in those days, we would have shortened that learning curve. We would have probably enrolled a lot more patients much quicker. We would have learned a lot more about our technology. It's do's, don'ts, limitations. Yeah. So, so, so for me, it's a really amazing tool. So just to give you a couple of examples, you know, with the medtechs, we support a number of medtechs in their clinical trials from a case-specific rehearsal perspective as well as training, but we also work with their R&D teams now where they're purchasing our technology, tailoring certain anatomies for their future developments, looking to avoid future animal studies, being able to do rapid iteration by using a variety of indications and anatomies. So we work across the board within the um, strategics between R&D, between clinical, training, and preclinical, and so on. And then, of course, we work directly with physicians, key KOLs, and major centers. And now we also work also with robotic companies because these new robotic systems coming out, physicians need to learn how to use them. And we're an idea system to actually rehearse on or train on. So, so that's also totally. another viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I've been in med device for a while and you know, the the specimens using cadavers is one thing, but if you're able to do this without having to use cadavers, I mean, it's just so much cleaner. It's more realistic, right? A lot of times the cadavers, you freeze them and you, you lose some oh, of yeah. those, you know, haptic feedback you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you early in my career, I was running cadaver labs and we had uh, 20 legs to do peripheral procedures mm-hmm. sitting there, let's say, uh, at a hospital. It's not pretty. It's very expensive. It's not realistic. And so you can really, many, many companies now and many hospital groups want to move away from cadavers. And also they want to move from animal studies because Mm -hmm. the animal studies are not always very accurate. The anatomies are not the same. If you're able to deliver an anatomy that represents the exact anatomy of of, let's say a patient plus the mechanical properties and you're able to do the procedure on that particular model, you can improve the validation of your product and you can get it out to market much quicker and with a lot more valid data than running it in a pig or, or, or a dog or any kind of animal. So we think there's a huge market there as well. And we're being approached to, to see how we can address that. I think it's awesome. And so, you know, the outcomes are apparent, right? We, we reduce variability, increase comfort level of the physician, improve outcomes. You, you talked about some of the setbacks, but any one in particular that you want to chat about and share what a key learning was? So within Biomodex, uh, I would say not so much. We're actually learning our business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've tried over time different things. And we're realizing we have multiple call points with multiple customers. 
from a B2B group and a B2C group. So we really tailor our technology to a variety of consumers. We also have a platform. So we look at our technology as a platform, which allows us to target specific indications. So in that area, what we've done is we, you know, early on, we were a little bit more scattered as a company, but then we said, okay, let's focus. Where is the biggest need? Which are the complex procedures? Where do physicians have big learning curves? And we said, okay, for the time being, for the next two, three years, let's focus on delivering products that address those complex procedures that the physicians really need to improve scales, to grow scales, and so on. So I think one of the learnings for us was focus Mm -hmm. as a company on what's really critical on those procedures that count and what the physicians need. So we have built a pretty extensive program of interactions with physicians, both in Europe and the U.S. So we have a certain advantage. I mean, I live in California. I'm here in Boston. I spend a lot of time in France. So most of my career has been done, has been in the U.S., but also partially in Europe. Because we are in Boston and in Paris, we have access to really two different pools of physicians, Hmm. uh, the Europeans and the Americans. And sometimes the techniques are different. The approaches are different. And we validate our products using both. So, um, and we have an excellent network on both, on both, and there's a lot of cross-pollinization and our teams go back and forth, but we're learning quite a bit working with European physicians as well as U.S. physicians. So we're trying to target both markets and depending on the countries, the prices are a little different, but we're able to handle both. So, so we're just like with our product, we are tailoring effectively our relationship based on the culture and the environment and so on, depending if we're in Europe or in the U.S. A lot of fine tuning and learning from across the 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 pond. You Correct. are so yeah, and and so you know I, I think about the approach and and then the actual product. So is this something that has to be FDA approved? So no? for now, no, not yet. Okay. Um, okay. So there's a couple of things from the FDA perspective. We use it for training and rehearsal. We today make mm-hmm. no claims as to its predictability. We are working with a number of key opinion leaders to uh, come up with data and publish a number of papers. And then beyond those initial papers, so we can test the limits of our technology to understand what we can and can't do with it. I think it's very important from a clinical guy that's, that's critical. Then we will engage with the agency um, in, in complex, more complex studies to lead us eventually to uh, potential reimbursement of the technology between FDA and CMS. So right now, we're very cautious in what we claim. Uh, we obviously want to be on the good side of the agency. Uh, we are collecting data. We know that our product can do quite a few things, can predict a few things. Uh, and then we're really learning about our technology, where we're very methodical in our approach. And then eventually, as we have a number of peer-reviewed publications on the books, then we will take that information and engage with the agency and start a coordinated process with the agency. How do we make this technology mainstream? How do we prove its true clinical value from a statistical perspective? And how do we get into coding reimbursement and so on? Love it. No, this is really great, Ziad. And what what are you, I mean, there's so many things you guys are working on about all the things that you're working on, which one makes you the most excited? So uh, uh, I'm a bit of a geek. Uh So the products are amazing. The products are amazing. So and what excites me, I mean, this is for me a tremendous opportunity, uh, and I enjoy very much what I do. Mm-hmm. Look, France is not a country that it, you would think of technically from a medical device perspective, you know, but there is something called the French flair, uh, and this is very real. So our products are designed with a certain aesthetic, 
and a simplicity. So we like to think of products like Apple. So our technology is very unique. When you see the physical product, it doesn't really look like a medical device or a medical product. There's a certain aesthetic about it. There's a certain simplicity and elegance about it. And so that is very much the French side of the technology. And so we spend a lot of time, what truly excites me, we spend a lot of time with physicians working out the kinks, the small, tiny details um, about the product, the technology, how to best use it. Something that may be very small to one eye and may be big for another. So that's what really excites me, developing these products using core platform technologies. So we have three basic core technologies, and those technologies can allow us to effectively develop dozens of products in different medical specialties. So we view ourselves as potentially becoming the leader in this field based on these core technologies. So to me, that's quite exciting. I think it's great. And I like, I like your reference to the French flair. <laughs> there's, a, there's an aesthetic there for sure. You know, I, my, my wife and I were, were in France last, last March and we're just like, wow, man, everything's so like just the style and everything, right? You just leave inspired. She got like a bunch of ideas and this is more like fashion mm-hmm. stuff, but even with the consumer products, right? I mean, you see it. Yeah, exactly. So, so one of our secrets is so we have two designers in the company. They're not yeah. engineers, they're designers. Top, they're both out of top French design schools. And so very artsy in their, in their thinking, in their mind. Um, their artistic skills are, are incredible. And that gives us where, you know, historically in medical device industry, everything is done by engineers. We start actually with these guys going out and spending time with physicians, our artists yeah. in the company. That's and cool. they're the ones who actually kind of do the conceptualization. And, and they're really artists. I mean, these are design skills, their ability to draw, paint, and these guys, textiles. So that's the world they come from, that kind of French sort of art world. And this is where we start. Then we talk about, okay, this is the conceptualization. And then what are the critical requirements from an engineering perspective? So we reverse it a little bit. Uh-huh. So the first time I've done this, to me, it's an experiment. But so far, I think we've, we've hit on something a little different, a little new, and I think we're getting great results because people look at the product and say, my God, this thing is gorgeous. And I see it's very easy to use, and there's an elegance about it. It's like having, we, look, we think of ourselves as the apple of the rehearsal digital health industry, and we want to keep that image. In fact, I would say, I don't know if you've seen the, um, the virtual tour of our offices. Everything we do oh, no, has I a haven't. certain aesthetic and design about it. Yeah. So everything is done with design. And so we start with the designers, not the engineers as a company, Mm. which is a little different what most companies do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love it. And and so I imagine this link is available and we'll probably be able to share it in the show notes, the tour. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, cool. So I'm curious. I'm sure listeners, you're probably like, hey, I want to see this tour. (laughs) So you'll have the chance to do that when we share it in the show notes. Uh, Ziad, so right. cool. Uh, I think it's great. And then, you know, the foundation, obviously, you know, scientific and, and, and research-based, which is a lot of where you have focused. Uh, I think it's really neat to see that stylistic element uh, be incorporated into this. Great promise here. And so I appreciate all the insights you've shared with all of us. Why don't you leave us with a closing thought? Ziad, and, and the best place where the listeners could reach out to you or, or the folks on your team to learn more? Sure. So, so our sense and our vision is that we believe digital technologies and 3D printing really have the potential to revolutionize medicine, moving into tailored medicine. So we think that's the future. Uh, we also think Biomedex is at the forefront of this process. It's a revolution that's, that's about to happen. 
So we're really excited about that. And the easiest way to reach us right now is via our LinkedIn account or our webpage through our contact page. I love it. Ziad, this has been great. And uh, folks, take them up on, on checking out what they're doing, reducing variability, improving outcomes. If you're a med device company looking to leverage tools like this to, to grow your business, certainly an opportunity as well. So Ziad, appreciate you so much and definitely looking forward to keeping up with uh, your progress. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.